Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. My name is Amit Man. Please do rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen or watch and like and do all that fun stuff. Much appreciated if you do so. Joining me today is Oren Weisfeld of Complex Canada and Yahoo. He uh, did a piece recently on OG Ananobi and how he's using his body more to orchestrate offense, become a better player. And it's all very important for OG because using his body, that big body of his to make offense happen is kind of a difference maker when it comes to being a better player, being a better scorer. So Oren, thanks so much for joining me. Much appreciated. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, man. It's nice to speak to you again. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I guess just on your article, like what was the most revealing part of the research where it made you think, oh, OG's doing that? Yeah, I'll, I'll go back a little bit just in case people haven't read it and kind of start with the premise that I worked uh, that, that I worked around, which was kind of like people have always talked about OG as a Kawhi Leonard kind of replica. People have always hoped like if only OG can can create the same way that Kawhi can because their bodies are so similar they are like two of the strongest wings in the NBA Mm -hmm. Um, but I never really got that comparison in the sense of like Kawhi is so fluid in his ability to like get to that elbow jumper and pull up and like OG's never really shown that but where I did see the similarity always is in in their strength and in their ability to when they're going downhill, they look like similar players. Like the pull-ups are are very different, but when they're going downhill and making contact, then I see the similarities. So that's kind of been in the back of my mind. And and then recently I just noticed that OG was becoming a lot more effective using his strength to get to the basket and to create separation to score and sometimes to pass out of as well when he gets a lot more attention in the paint. And so that's kind of what the article um, is about just to just to provide a brief summary. Gotcha. And I mean, you look at his body type, and it isn't necessarily common. We can do the Kawhi comparisons, but even to Kawhi, if you're talking like you know the size of their torso, the size of their legs, the, the strides that they have, like they aren't really very comparable. And because of that, I mean, they're just going to have different strengths and different abilities. You look at OG for what he is when it comes to his height and his weight. I mean, players like uh, Jimmy Butler. James Johnson, Nick Batum. These are the kind of players that are kind of similar. Other players who are around six, seven, six, eight. usually they're like, uh, their weight's around 215 or so, and they are definitely a small forward, or they're on the other end of the spectrum, and they're like 240, 250, and now they're your typical power forward. But OG is somewhere in the middle, and that kind of speaks to his ability to kind of guard one through five. With yeah. his body type, how does, how does that kind of translate? Yeah. Even those players that you mentioned, the Jimmy Butlers of the world, I think OG is a decent amount stronger than them, but he hasn't been able to really showcase it on the offensive end. And so let's start defensively just real quick, because that's where his strength, since he entered the league, I think he's been able to to utilize his strength on that end. And last season, we saw it more than ever as as really guarding fives a a Mm. ton. 
when they they had that small lineup when they finally when they were healthy with Norman Powell in the starting lineup and really OG was was a center for a lot of, of last season so he's really never had any issues guarding fives as as well as really a wing can do that sure. um, offensively is when he's had issues and I think one thing that every Raptors fan who's who's really kept up with the team recently will notice if you think about it is OG used to get called for that push off foul where he'll extend his arm so much in the past couple of years. And if you think about it this season, it really hasn't been an issue at all. And that's like one small example of his ability to still create that separation, but not now get called for it because the refs are just like you're too strong man which is basically what they were saying in the past like this guy is falling off you so hard you must have committed a foul so OG's really learned how to not get called for that it's it's just more subtle he's still everyone still pushes off but it's more subtle it's more downward and he also told me like it's about knowing who's guarding you and knowing which guys are going to flop and which guys aren't going to flop and that like sounds funny but that's a very real like understanding of the league and understanding of defenders the longer you're in the league definitely and uh you think of a player like fred van vliet who has kind of mastered the art of using his shoulder to initiate the contact and create that separation it seems like og's done a better job of that as well something that i think lebron has kind of not comparing od and lebron but obviously lebron's a very strong human being and he uses that push off it's been like that for a long time but Himself, too, he made an adjustment earlier on in his career where he was doing less of the pushing off and he was more using his stride length, initiating that contact to get layups. And OG's done more of that this year. And that's been a strong component of his ability to get to the bucket is that he's not necessarily using the push off anymore and he's able to continue his forward motion. And it's not so much side to side, which is so pivotal. part of his game where could do some a bit of adjustments is that you know he he does love using that step back when he does initiate contact and that has mixed results it's not as fluid as you would necessarily like and i'm wondering how can he find ways to you know continue that forward motion not doing so much side to side because once he starts doing that now he's losing his balance and that's very common for someone who's like six eight six seven of his size balance is really hard to maintain because of how strong you are for sure. And balance is something that he's gotten so much better at, which is, I think, why he's he's defaulted to these step backs when he creates a little separation with that strength. And then he defaults to a step back jumper or just a pull up jumper right there. Um, and, and like credit to him for improving that balance. But like you said, that's still not a good shot for him compared to if he can just continue his forward momentum to the rim where he's always been a really good finisher at the rim and he's never been a very prolific pull-up jump shooter so yeah yeah it's it's about you know a him finding more avenues to not stop short and go to that go to that step back and this is something that I mean I'm sure we can get into in more detail but b is is it's kind of just the way that the raptors are there's not a whole lot of spacing. And so it's hard for him to get to the rim. Even when he creates separation, there's more bodies coming at him mm-hmm. because teams sag in the paint against the Raptors. There is not enough shooting out there. I wrote in the piece that just last game against uh, the Suns, OG and Fred were the only two Raptors to hit a three. The rest of the guys went 0 for 14. Oh, yeah. So 
it's those two and it's Gary Trent Jr. who are the spacers and that's it. So, so much of OG is what, when everyone's healthy is him being asked to space out to the beyond the arc. And so there's not a lot of guys doing that for him, for him to be able to get to the rim a little mm-hmm. bit more in an in a ideal situation, there would be more spacing and he would be more of a primary guy getting the ball in the post and having some room to operate. But with Siakam, with Barnes, there's other guys who like the ball in the post and there's guys who aren't really spacing out the floor for him. Yeah. And just so people know, um, overall in this season, he's averaging 19 points a game on 16 field goal attempts, but over the last 10 games where the Raptors have gotten more healthy, it goes down to 17 points a game on 13 attempts, but he's shooting a better percentage. So, you know, prior before, uh, it got healthy and thank God that they did. He was kind of like a kid in the candy store, you know, like you got jube jube, Skittles, chocolate, whatever you want. They were likened to isolation attempts and, you know, step back threes, transition, ball and high leverage situations. Now those are kind of gone away. And I think the Raptors also, you wrote in your article that Nick Nurse is kind of figuring out also, like, how do I use OG more? Because I've been kind of surprised by how much they're using Pascal Siakam. Like, obviously he's having a terrific season, but it seems like it's kind of the default that they're going to work through Pascal. And I thought there would be more of working through OG. It's been kind of surprising how little they've been utilizing that considering how effective it was prior to uh, Pascal coming back. Yeah. I'm glad you brought this up because I think everyone's a little surprised how little OG is being used considering our expectations coming into the season. You know, it wasn't very long ago that Fred Van Vliet said he's our number one option right now. Remember at the beginning of the season? Yeah, and, I do. And and I'm glad you brought up the 13 uh, attempts per game in the last 10 because you look at his field goal attempts and it's pretty easy to say, oh, OG went from 8 to 12 to 16. That's good progression. What are you complaining about? But with the team healthy, it's it's more like 13. And so that's right around where he, he was at last season. And we mm-hmm. expected a pretty big jump from him this season. And so I think that comes down to a couple of things. Like, yeah, Nick admitted that they would like to get OG uh, involved more in the offense. And, and that's just something they're working through because they haven't had a healthy team. And, and I think the other big part of it is that, like, I think if you asked Nurse at the beginning of the season, would you be running this much for Fred Van Vliet in clutch time? He'd say no. But the reality is that Fred and Pascal are in such a good rhythm right now, it's hard to take the ball out of their hands. And OG unluckily with this injury this hip winner and then COVID he's really been in and out of the lineup all season and so it it's just he's not in a great rhythm offensively the way that those two are and I think a lot of it is that but also what I focus on in this piece is that just because it's this way right now doesn't mean it'll necessarily always be this way I think this strength creation that we're talking about could turn a playoff series for the Raptors in the next couple years because I always think back to that Boston series, right, in the bubble. And it was such a game of mismatch hunting. And and there was a lot of the Raptors not being able to take advantage of that. Pascal obviously had a bad, uh, a bad series. And so you, (laughs) yeah, but you think to a series like that, okay, what if, what if Kemba is on OG with OG's new and improved kind of skill set? I think that's Mm -hmm. a game changer. I think that the Celtics have to change how, how they're, defending the Raptors and I just think that this is a very useful playoff skill when mismatch hunting becomes crucial and and half court offense becomes crucial. Touch on a few interesting things there starting with the the Raptors because 
figuring out how to utilize him is going to be pretty, pretty important. And I think with Nick, like you had said, maybe a bit surprised by how effective Fred and Pascal have been perhaps in, uh, in, in late game situations, but now with, with OG, there has to be a bit of a learning experience. And I think that Nick right now, he's like, okay, so I got all these pieces. I got to like dumb it down a little bit. Where do I have the most skill Who's going to be my best you know, passer out of double teams and driving? And that could potentially be uh, Pascal Siakam at the very least. But you should keep, keep in mind, too, that because Pascal's three-point shot is a little bit eh, you don't really know where it is right now. Now OG's uh, 40% catch-and-shoot percentage, and his, he's leading the, the team in spot-up attempts. Now that becomes even that more important. So because he's so good at this, he's not necessarily able to be like the driver that he'd probably want to be because he is such a good catch and shoot shooter. And with Nick now, I, I pose a question to you is how do the Raptors utilize him more? There's a couple things. Part of it is on OG because we kind of touched on this, but when he does get the ball now and, and when he gets it in isolation situations, I feel like he's holding on to it a lot more. And I think that's because mm. he's like, he, he just hasn't held it very much all game and so the the few opportunities that he has I think he really slows down the game like not to call him a ball stopper but you know what I mean he does not there there have been a lot of times recently where he doesn't play within the flow of the offense and the ball comes to him and he's like all right I haven't had the ball in five minutes I'm gonna take a shot now which Mm -hmm. is like fair but it's not good offense right so Mm -hmm. I think that is definitely part of it but yeah like I have a hard time figuring out better uses for him because of what you said, like can OG play in the screen and roll and, and make good decisions out of, out of the short roll? Absolutely. Can he be a zone zone buster? Absolutely. But with the spacing on the floor, it's really hard for him to be put in that position because Pascal is like, like I, I have this conversation with people, like if Pascal is spotting up and Chris Boucher is spotting up and OG is the one in the screen, that's not a lot of spacing and guys are just going to converge on yeah. the pain and, and take away the role. And that's why I think they've gone to Pascal, the roller so much recently, because like you said, his three point shot isn't really there. And so it makes a lot of sense for him to be the roller and for OG to be spotting up. So like, I really do have trouble um, criticizing the coaching staff for, for OG mm-hmm. spotting up as much as he is, because there's really three shooters on this team in Trent, OG and Fred. And when you only have three shooters, that is kind of the reality. And, and that's actually why I'm, I'm pretty heavily in favor of the Raptors getting a shooter by the trade deadline, which yeah. might sound like a crazy thing to be buyers or whatever. But like, I'm not saying go crazy, but bring another shooter into this team. And I think the spacing would really, really improve. And then you can do more stuff with OG as a primary in the post, stuff like that. It's a fair point, and I don't know how many how keen Nick Masai Jury is on making moves uh, because he could obviously the assets are there. We could you know it's a, could go through it right now like a Chris Boucher and Malachi Flynn players that you're not really sure are going to be part of your future necessarily. Who knows about Malachi? I mean Delano Malachi, you got to make a decision at some point, um, and then you have some draft picks, you have some draft capital that you could use to swing someone, some kind of guard who can help you, and then in those now at that point. Now you're like, okay, so in these bench minutes, I could put Gary out there. I could put this guard. I could put Utah. I could put Cam, OG, whoever. And now all of a sudden, now there is some spacing. And now OG has room to operate. 
I feel like still uh, he's got to make some strides when it comes to his touch around the basket, um, spacing awareness. It kind of speaks to what you talked about is that sometimes he does this when I like take a shot. He's like, I haven't taken a shot in like six minutes, guys. Like, give me a shot here. And mm-hmm. it, in those situations, like it probably isn't, you know, the best shot because the spacing isn't great, but he's like, yeah, but I got this step back here that I can do and it might go in. So he shoots it and it's not necessarily the most, the highest percentage shot. So figuring out that kind of stuff uh, would be very useful, but in his post-ups though, he doesn't have a great post game necessarily. He has strength and that's good, Mm. but like Pascal, he was, he learned a spin move and people love mocking it. Okay. But that did get him to 20 points a game. And OG doesn't really have anything comparable to that. He loves his fadeaway. That's great. But it would be cool to see him kind of use a bit more of a hop step. And also, when you look at like a Scotty Barnes, the way he changes directions when he's backing someone down, that is kind of how you maintain, you know, your forward movement while also not, you know, fouling or getting caught for an offensive foul because you're constantly changing direction. You're going left, you're going right, then you make a turn, and all of a sudden you're at the basket and you got to lay up. Um, it's obviously it's not apples to apples because they have different bodies, but uh, that those are some suggestions that I have at least for OG that that's how you can kind of create some offense, use your body, use your skill. But like you had said, we're kind of coming back to this is that he needs a space to do it. And we haven't seen enough of that necessarily. Um, it would be cool for Pascal to, you know, get that 3.0. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Figured out, I think over the last 10 games, he's at 35%. So what he's been doing over the past season, or you look at you know, what it is overall this year, isn't exactly uh, fair considering he's at 35% over the past little while, although we're coming off that Suns game where he shot 0-5 and all those were open looks. Anyways, he's got to figure that out. But I would love a, a situation where now you have OG um, posting up someone, you have Pascal on the corners, you have Pascal um, above the break, and he's your release valve. Like you had talked about, OG has made so many strides in his offensive game. And I think he's kind of wrestling with himself a little bit. The Suns game was a perfect example. He gets the ball against Devin Booker on the perimeter. Um, he's dribbling too much. He gets poked. But then later on the game, he's posting up Devin Booker. He creates separation around the baseline. And now he's hitting a little Jimmy. And that's where it is. That's like the Kemba Walker example you gave. There's always going to be someone who's going to be a little bit too small to guard Pascal, Scotty, and OG. And in those situations, OG has to execute. And so I ask you again, is, are you comfortable with him being uh, the third option yeah. going forward? Definitely. I, I definitely am. I think he's kind of proved that, that he can do that, but I want to hit on a couple of things. I think the, the post-up part point is a good one. I think 
he definitely has a lot of room to improve with the footwork in there. He only recently really learned how to keep his dribble alive while making that contact mm-hmm. and, and getting into bodies. Like that's a pretty recent development for him. So yeah, like his feel for the game is not where Pascal's feel is in terms of OG it does not like this year we're seeing from Pascal better than ever picking his spots and only shooting the shots he's really really comfortable taking yeah and og is still a little bit of a kid in a candy store where he has this developing set step back three this side step three this pull up over shorter defenders he can post up he can do all these things and i think he's still learning when to do each one he does have a little bit of trouble figuring out what's the best option right now and that's because Mm -hmm. the ball hasn't been in his hands over the past three years like this is really his first shot at being one of the top three options so I don't blame him for figuring that out it's just a work in progress and and I do want to say like on the optimistic side of things right you asked me earlier what what was the most interesting part of the research I didn't really answer your question but OG's OG's unassisted buckets this season went from 30% over the last three seasons, pretty straight. So jumped to 43% this season. So the shots are way harder. His mid-range attempts went from 17% of his shots to 25%. So his shots are getting much, much harder. But meanwhile, he's shooting the same percent from the mid-range that he did last season, Mm -hmm. which was a career high for him. So the efficiency has only slightly gone down, like in terms of true shooting yeah. with the higher usage and with a way diff- way more difficult shot distribution. So that's encouraging. Usually when you bump it up that much and you say, go create your own shot, guys are going to have a, a major dip. And OG's had a small dip, 60 to 55 true shooting, but nothing very uh, worrisome at all. I think it's mostly been encouraging for him. Yes. Yes, all very encouraging. Not to, to put too much of a damper on what he's done this year, because that's not what this is about. This is about no, but how can yeah, no, I hear no, I'm just like saying overall, like both of us, we're we're very encouraged by what OG's doing this year. And so yeah. that is the point of this, is that he has more to give and the Raptors have to figure out a way to how do you utilize OG and Anobi when he's ready to take more shots and do more on the off- offensive end, but you don't have enough players, enough shooters to capitalize on that. Mm-hmm. yeah that's why i just brought that stuff up because you asked if he can be a third option i feel like a lot of those numbers prove that he's well on his way to doing mm-hmm. the things that require a third option is required to do but yeah. you're right like it does not feel to me like this team is built around ogn and ob's skill set right and so that's where you kind of have some issues mm-hmm. putting him in ideal situations to succeed yeah I mean, Scotty Barnes and Gary Trent both missed the Suns game, but I think that made it more clear that if anything, they really missed Gary in that game more so than Scotty because mm-hmm. just simply the shooting and the gravity that uh, Gary Trent Jr. has as a shooter, as a catch and shoot guy, he's at like 40%, just like OG is this year. But you have a lot of faith in Gary being able to make an open jumper or at the very least, you know, when defenders rushing at him, he'll make a fake he'll take that dribble he loves making that shot taking and making that shot and being getting og in more screen situations because he is such a good screener that wide body he has man like he makes contact with his with the person he's screening and they feel it and then you have him rolling to the bucket you have him popping out for for threes like that's where it gets really funky for the raptors offense but you need the support around him to be able to do that because if you have pascal in that situation if you have you know, Ken Burch screening OG, 
it's pretty easy for a defense to, to stop it. So overall, lots of great things about OG, but the Raptors, they just need to figure out how they're going to get the best out of him because there is so much to like. And if they do that, if they get that one more shooter, two more shooters, if Utah is able to stay healthy and is able to become a better or more reliable three-point shooter, uh, I'm not sure what's happening with V, but even like Chris Boucher, right? Like his his shot has really fallen off this year. And I don't think that's necessarily what's going to be happening. Last year, he shot 38%. Years prior, was like 32. He's probably somewhere in, in there. Um, and if he's able to, to figure that out, I'm sure Chris wants to figure it out because Lord knows he loves to shoot threes. And I love seeing him make it. That, that's, that's a great thing for, their, for the Raptor centers. They have so many who just can't really hit that shot. And uh, that's where the floor spacing really becomes an issue. Closing thoughts, Oren. What are your, what are your thoughts? What are your vibes? Yeah, I, I think what we're speaking to is the problem with being a Swiss Army knife, which OG has kind of been his whole career. He can do a bunch of things well nothing crazy well other than spot up shooting and so last stat i'm going to give on the show i promise but 55 percent of his shots uh over the last eight games have come from behind the arc for og so that just speaks to what we've been saying like he's really been pushed out to the outside to be a spacer for these guys Mm -hmm. and and that's why my closing thoughts would be like i'm fat i'm infatuated with the idea of getting like an eric gordon or miles turner those are those are kind of my two yeah targets and I'm not sure the Raptors are willing to kind of take take a plunge into that territory right now. It's probably a little bit too early, but you just could imagine the spacing that a Miles Turner could provide for OG and, and Siakam when they're on the floor together. And I know yeah. Turner said he doesn't want to be that guy, but if he would buy into that role <laughs> as a spot-up shooter when those guys, realistically, those guys mm. are way more versatile than him on offense, then yeah. I think that opens up a ton of stuff for for a player like OG and right now it's just it's just the roster construction like the Raptors hoped a lot of these guys would kind of hit the Utahs who's been good but hasn't been a great shooter the Sfees who has not been a good shooter they thought some of these guys would hit Malachi hasn't been able to hit shots and and what it's resulted in is really a really big problem with their three-point shooting and I was having this argument on Twitter with someone or conversation I should say but it was like they, it's all arguments saying, on twitter yeah it feels like it but they were <laughs> saying that the raptors have a top 10 offense their defense is really the problem they should look to shore up the defense in the trade deadline and i i disagree with that because i think a lot of their offense is kind of unsustainable in a playoff setting with the offensive rebounding and the transition offense mm-hmm. and their three-point shooting while it's decent so much of that is carried by fred van fleet having an outrageous three-point shooting season yeah I think their biggest need is spacing. And that's that's how I look at the trade mm-hmm. deadline right now. Fair point. Uh, on the last podcast I did, I did it with Yasmin. And I asked her, like, at the end of the season, it was a true or false segment. I'm like, true or false, the Raptors will have a top 10 offense and defense by season's end. Because at the moment, their, their defense is 20th, their offense is 10th. And I kind of countered what you said because i felt like if they stay healthy and they're so reliant on their starters anyways that uh it doesn't really matter necessarily like how many bench pieces they have if they're healthy obviously obviously you want as many you know bench pieces as possible as many shooters as possible but they're only going to be using those players in certain situations and um if it's gary and it's og out there those are going to be your high usage players and they've been very good at it 
And so if they're able to kind of figure that out a little bit, if, uh, if Chris Boucher, and I'm banking on Chris Boucher figuring out his three-point shooting, that I think the Raptors can actually maintain, you know, something of a top 10 offense. Because I also think Scotty Barnes, um, when he does come back, like he's shown that he's got some three-point shooting chops and he's going to c- continue to improve on it. And so I'm banking on Scotty, I'm banking on Chris Boucher, figuring out their three-point shooting. Now you have a little bit more spacing, a little bit more reliable um, players on the, on the, around the three-point line. And then on the defensive end, yeah, like you said, they're going to be absolutely fine. I think they're going to be right. totally fine. A lot of the possessions or a lot of the times when, you know, the defensive rating really ballooned up to 20th is because they were relying on bench players. And also, yeah. hello, you had the that Cleveland game where they had zero players and they gave up 144 points. Like yeah. stuff like this kind of factors into uh, the defensive rating. At one point this year, they were like top eight, right? Very early in the season, but with the kinks that they figured out, Scotty Barnes figuring out his role, how he can, you know, be kind of a, a low man who's reliant on uh, on that side, you know, not overcommitting, kind of staying home a bit more. He's done a great job of that. Pascal had his his lumps on defense when he returned, but I think it's fair to say that he's back to where he was, you know, or, or where we want him to be, where we expect him to be. So all that considered, I think the defense is going to be fine. If they decide to get another shooter at the trade deadline, I'd be kind of surprised. I'm actually very curious what they do because it's there. They have the options. They could do it, but will Masai pull the trigger? It's such a curious question. Next season, if th- if we're talking like next season, I'm sure he's doing it because that to me is like, that's the year where you're like, okay, we got to make something happen here. Like this mm-hmm. is like, this is the year because they're going to continue to improve. That's why the two guys I brought up are both on have two years left on their contract. And so I oh, think yeah. you do get a guy who, who can help this year, but also stay with you next year if you're going to make a move at the deadline. But yeah, I think I mostly agree with you in what you're saying about the offense and the defense. I think I'm more talking about in a playoff setting is when I could see the offense slipping a little bit. Yeah. But the defense, like you said, it really doesn't worry me. Like you can look at that number and say 20th in defensive rating up. Uh, with some increased physicality in the playoffs, with the, the way that the chemistry is going and these guys are playing more of them on a, on a string, that is not at all what worries me in a playoff se- series. It's more the offense. And defensive rebounding does worry me a little bit, though. That's true. <laughs> definitely depends on the matchup, yeah. but definitely that's true. Yeah. I mean, they play a style that's going to that's gonna produce a lot of rebounds on the defensive end for the other team or a lot of offensive rebound opportunities, but they got, uh, yeah, I'm not sure how they're going to figure that one out. Miles Turner, I mean, just to just to touch on that for a second. Yeah, he doesn't want to be a spot-up player. And I think if somehow, some way a trade happened with the Raptors, I think, you know, the chemistry you could create with the Fred Van Vliet, Fred doesn't have a role, man, is what I was getting at. And if Miles Turner is willing and capable of being that guy, then there will be possessions that he's going to get as a role, man. And that could translate into, you know, mismatches and switches. And all of a sudden you got like a six, eight guy on Miles Turner. Now go to work, go do your thing, um, go eat. Like that stuff can happen if Miles Turner is going to become a Raptor. And I have been back and forth on this. And I think I'm on the side now that I sh- it should happen. It would be awesome, but it's maybe just a, a move that is probably one year too early. That's all. Oren, yeah. much appreciated, man. Thanks so much for joining me. Uh, it was a great piece. For those of you who want to read it, um, you can find it on, on YouTube. You can find it in the description on the podcast as well. Have a great weekend, everyone. Enjoy yourselves. Be safe. And we'll talk to you soon. 
United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.